the very first episode of Talk Time, hosted by myself, Camilla, Cheryl, and Tegar, with our guest speaker, uh, Mr. Morgan. Hello. Hello. We are so excited to have you guys listening to this. I think before we start, we're going to give a brief introduction of what this is, basically. So this is a school podcast that we are hosting to cover your values, which are Black Lives Matter, Women's Rights are Human Rights, No Human is Illegal, Kindness is Everything, Climate change matters. Love is love. So yeah, we're gonna give examples. Um, it was just Black History Month, so we're gonna give examples about our own personal um inspirations of Black people in history. So Camilla will go first. So Claudia Jones, if you guys haven't heard of the Notting Hill Carnival, it's basically a carnival that takes place in the UK, Notting Hill in London, and it's a great place for everyone to experience Black culture and Caribbean culture. But the thing is, no one really knows that it was a woman called Claudia Jones who founded the carnival. Kind of a brief, uh, brief history of Claudia. Um, she was a migrant, first from Trinidad to the US and then from the US to the UK. Um, she was an activist for civil rights and here in the UK she founded the very first Black and Asian newspaper. And the whole point of the carnival was to show that, um, that culture can be embraced by everyone and anyone. And I mm. feel like as a school and as a society, we should take that same value and integrate it into our lives, being accepting of everyone, especially one of our values being kindness is everything. I agree. My role model is um, Claudia Colvin. She's a civil rights activist and she was the first black woman to refuse to give up her seat for white women in America. I know a lot of people think it was Rosa Parks, but it was actually um, Claudette that did it first. The reason why a lot of people know it as Rosa Parks is because Claudette was 15 and pregnant at the time. So um, they knew that if they went to court and they said, oh, we don't want to be treated less than white people, they would overlook that and they would focus on her being pregnant and having a child out of wedlock. So that's why um, a lot of people know it as Rosa Parks to be the first one. My um, inspirational figure is Catherine Jones. Um, oh, sorry, Catherine Johnson. Um, she was born in 1918 and she was actually the lead mathematician whose calculations were used um, to launch the NASA, NASA yeah. things. <laughs> they called um, the rocket ship. What is it? It's a rocket ship. Airplane, no. Uh, spaceship. 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 The NASA spaceships. Um, her calculations were the ones used and she never got credit. And. Um, the thing is, they made a whole documentary about it, or movie slash documentary mm-hmm. called Hidden Figures, I and it was based. It. it was based yeah. on her, like in real life, and they didn't get recognition until way afterwards. Mm. Wow. So, yeah. it's a good film. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing hearing kind of who inspires you and making sure because these amazing people aren't in the curriculum or yeah. the British curriculum at least anyway. Yeah. Um, so our listeners kind of hearing who they are and what they've done. Um, is like super important. If you don't mind me giving one as well, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll kind of say a contemporary one. I don't know if, if you've heard of uh, Steve McQueen. He's like a filmmaker artist. Um, recently, he made the Small Axe series on BBC oh, okay. One. Um, but I think f- for me, he's like huge inspiration in terms of just being an artist and creating work which, like Hidden Figures and, mm-hmm. and other work, which brings into kind of, brings. Um, unheard people yeah. deserve their stories to be told into kind of the mainstream um, film world as such. Um, so I'd say for me, Steve McQueen, and also how he is an activist in itself of talking about yeah. um, the the state of kind of both education in, in the UK and, yeah. and yeah. you know, how 
people who are, you know, black, Asian and other ethnicities, how we have to, in our, you know, by ourselves go and research who yeah. these important figures are and who these figures and how these figures have paved the way for us. So I'd, I'd say Steve McQueen, amongst many, was one of my mm -hmm. uh, inspirational figures. Yeah. I think going back to the point that you spoke about having to research these figures, mm. do you think that kind of comes under a term where the education system is lacking in terms of teaching these role models to students here? Yeah, definitely. I feel like we should learn more about black history, also like other people of colour, like their backgrounds and their cultures. I feel like all we learn is like white history, like all the time. Yeah, so just having just... one month to try and cram that all in, I don't think it's enough. Mm, I completely agree. I yeah. heard the footballer Wilfred Zaha. Yeah. yeah. He was like quiet. Because it's interesting, and Morgan Freeman's also another yeah. one, because the initial kind of headline of um, we shouldn't be celebrating Black History Month in October was kind of what? That was the headline. Yeah. And it automatically gains, you know, attraction. attraction. Yeah. But if you read deep into what they said, it was actually that, yeah. that a month shouldn't constitute a celebration for black people. Yeah. It should be constant and yeah. integrated within both curriculum and institution, however, yeah. however long that may take. Yeah. So, um, so if you haven't realised the gist of it, we'll be talking about, well, mainly racism, ethnic racism. And I feel like those that don't know what systemic racism is, I'm going to try and briefly explain, but it's... Okay. Um, Oh, Tega has yeah. a definition. She so, can go yeah. ahead. Um, institutional racism or systemic racism is um, is a term that refers to a form of racism that is embedded in the laws and regulations of a society or an organisation. It manifests as discrimination in areas such as criminal justice, employment, housing, healthcare and education. Yeah, I feel like taking that definition and understanding is kind of, you don't realise it's around us and we've probably are blind to it. I think an example I can give from probably a personal aspect, but when I go into a shop, um, I almost feel like I've got to walk out with something in hand that I yes, bought because I, I feel like the security guard is like, right, I no offence, but I feel like to me, cause I'm, I openly actively look a certain way. So it's like, I'm keep an eye on her. Like, mm. I know it's bad to have that in the back of your head, but that's kind of what, what's ingrained with me and Cheryl's just agreed. I yeah, like, that's the same. when I walk into like stores, I feel like I I don't need to buy anything, but in order to look less suspicious, yeah. I need to buy something in order, you know, to leave comfortably. Mm. So, and I think yeah, for me I have the exact same. Yeah. you know, it's the age I am now. It still happens, and mm -hmm. I think on a link here for me, I cause a lot of I've reflected a lot mm -hmm. about why I feel the way I feel, yeah. and like yeah, if I haven't got something in my hand, and I think it could be, and this is a subjective opinion about it, it could be linked back to the trauma which comes with people's biases and people discriminating yeah, yeah. against people, mm -hmm. um, especially of colour. So, and, and, that's, and that's bad. And I think linking it back to the responsibility that institutions have, yeah. being sensitive and aware, as yeah. well as, you know, uh, teachers or people in uh, places of power, yeah. they must be aware of, of those uh, feelings which we're, sh which we're all sharing now because yeah. it doesn't just go trauma doesn't just leave uh, the body. I also feel like in schools it can be a bit like um, subtle like mm -hmm. for example I was questioning students the other day and like how they felt they were being discriminated against and one student actually told me that um, two years ago 
she was in a group with her black friends and the teacher came up to her and said, can you guys split up? You guys look like a gang. Yeah. And there was a group of white girls, like other girls around, they didn't get told off, but they had to split up. So I feel like in schools it's done like, not subtly, but very straightforward. Like mm -hmm. you look like a gang, split up. Yeah, and I feel like because it's a school, it's like you're, it's an environment you're meant to feel comfortable in. And mm -hmm. if you feel like your teacher's telling you that, imagine if you grow up in the workplace, how that would impact you as an individual. Yeah, and how others from outside of the school will look at you. Yeah, like a teacher, someone who's meant to care for students, has really told you you look like you look like you're in a gang. It can really affect you. Yeah, and just to kind of touch on that as well, because it's this idea of like we all have a, a bias, don't we? Yeah, and mm -hmm. we all no matter what colour or creed, we all have to actively reflect on 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 it and also yeah. be curious enough and, and also open enough to change ours, because I'm also a diversity champion here. That yeah. was our training mm -hmm. um, to ensure that we are constantly questioning why we believe or why we think that. And um, it's, it's a necessity for everyone, isn't it? Um, yeah. And like mentioned, we all have these instances which either may happen outside of school, perhaps mm -hmm. in a shop or yeah. in certain institutions which we have to grow up from, you know, the tender age of, I don't know, four to yeah. 18, whatever. Um, but just ensuring that it's on both levels and, and hopefully we get into the kind of, you know, area of what we can all do. Because I don't think, I often sometimes mm -hmm. am asked the question, what do you think should happen? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it's a whole... Uh, room effort, isn't it? Yeah, you um, just like put it on one person. Just no. because they're like, they're all kind of group. Yeah, yeah that, I think that happens. Like, because in this country, some white majority country, teachers and people in power are mostly white, so they themselves have a responsibility to, like, if they have the power, they should want to make a change. They can't just put it on their black counterparts that had to work ten times as hard as them to get into the same position to come up with every solution. We can't be, we can't have the answers to every question because if we had the answers to embrace them, it would have ended. It, yeah. Literally. Yeah. it, takes, a, it takes a world effort. It doesn't just, it's not just a black people effort. It's not just the Asian people effort. It's a everybody effort. But I have a question mm -hmm. for you or a discussion point as well, because I chat about, chat with uh, my friends about this topic, especially yeah. kind of, doing art outside school, this mm -hmm. kind of question. So I was a board member for a theatre mm -hmm. uh, not long ago and, and I spoke with a couple of friends and it's this notion of you have gatekeepers, people in power essentially, yeah. and, and everyone wants change. Everyone wants um, for the workforce to be more diverse, yeah. whether it's in race, gender, etc. cetera. Um, but should that change, should there be an inclusion of more people in power mm -hmm. or should it, be the people in power who should be wanting to change what I think, think it should I think it should be both really yeah I feel like if you have people higher up that don't understand the issues that yeah. are going on it's kind of like I tell you that if personally if I wanted to change something from the inside I would want to be part of that board to know this is my opinion this is how it affects me as a worker or how it affects me as a student and then listening to my point of view kind of implementing on that and then also listening to people underneath you mm. i feel like it's not just it's like in geography we learn the um like top down and bottom down approach i don't think it's other subjects you learn as well but it should be both a bottom up bottom up and a top down approach yeah that's a really good point because let's say someone's running to be the prime minister or someone yeah. in power and they're advocating for let's say higher pay rise or increase the minimum wage they won't ask people that make 
twenty pounds an hour. Or yeah. What should we improve? They won't ask someone that's making two hundred thousand pounds a year. Or what should we improve? They have to ask the people that are making less and you know that are making that bare minimum. Or what can we do to help you? Or why should we improve it? Like, can you give us your example so that we can bring it up to other people? So in this case of racism, it's the people in power having to ask people that experience like the worst kinds of racism. And there's all different kinds of racism, but it's the people that experience it like the most that you have to ask, oh, what can, what can we really do to help you? But you also need people of that group inside yeah. that power, because if you don't have that and they just take your ideas, it's like, um, one thing will go through the year and come out the next. Yeah. Like they'll take your ideas, add a bit to it, and then change it to suit their needs. So if you're there as well, you can make sure that your ideas push forward. So I do think it needs to be a mixture of both. Because yeah. if it's just you have people on top making these de decisions, you have it could lead to protests, and we've seen this happen before. Mm. People are unhappy with something, and then you riot and so on. And you don't want it to get to that extent. We want to tackle it from the core yeah. and not let it overspill like that. The George Floyd incident of last year when he was killed by a police officer, um, the reason, like, obviously the riots happened was not just because, oh, he was killed by um, a police officer. There was police brutality involved, but it's mm -hmm. also the response of other police officers and other, yeah. you know, white people in the country saying, oh, it was just an accident. You know, he didn't mean to kill him. He was doing his job. So that's what really led to the anger behind, you know, the protests. But I feel like when people hear of the Black Lives Matter protest movement, all they think of, riot, they rioted, they stole this, they looted. Like, that's not what happened first. First, it was peaceful. It wasn't all of that in the beginning. That's mm -hmm. what people seem to forget. I think linking back to systemic racism, what Cheryl talked about is you only see one aspect of it and the media is kind of portraying this is this and this, and this is that and people feed yeah. that to themselves and people don't listen to the whole story from both angles. And it's you, you feed yourself information and it's like, you've taken that in and that in itself is going to breed and become something really harmful. Yeah. yeah. Kind of linking, so Black Lives Matter, you know, especially during 2020 when we were kind of locked indoors and yeah. a lot of that spotlight was, of course, on, uh, on, on the protesting, uh, but also kind of linking it to the UK mm -hmm. and, and what, I guess, was happening here and yeah. in, you know, a lot of... Uh, I believe a lot of change did happen. However, there's still so far yeah, to go. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but also, I'm just kind of curious as well, like you mentioned, um, a lot of it in the media can be false and can be turned around for a specific agenda. But yeah. I'm curious as to whether in schools and within the curriculum, um, do you think this should be, I guess, do you think it should be kind of included in this where this a follow-on question to that. How and kind of what subjects would you like to to see in? Because for me, as a drama teacher, yeah. a lover, I'm constantly looking at the curriculum and asking myself, how can I di diversify my curriculum? Yeah. How, can I, how can the work we are looking at um, kind of both reflect what's going on yeah. in society, but also give my students both drama skills, but yeah. also kind of that contextual knowledge of experiences outside of their their own so what's your opinion and has have you had the chance to kind of 
do any of that in in your years of studying? Um, I feel like, unfortunately, we are year 13, so it's like it's very limited on what we can take part in. But with this, I feel like people people think, okay, history needs to teach this. But I totally agree with you. I feel like it should be across all subjects. I feel like it doesn't just stop at history because it's not history. It's constantly happening. Mm -hmm. And we should implement that in a way where it's healthy, in a way which you learn that, uh, I don't know, I think an example, businesses, if you learn that sometimes businesses do um, kind of discriminate against a certain group of individuals, that should be brought up. In science, um, I know this is really off topic, but I, you know those hand sensors you use when you're washing yeah. your hands? It's found that sometimes it doesn't work for people of colour mm. simply because it was designed with, in mind, a white person, a white hand, right, not right. a black hand. And it's little things like that you don't notice. I think kind of taking that into account is in every subject. And I feel like with drama, you could express emotion, really deep emotion through drama. Yeah. I feel like that's powerful to show that these feelings are real and it's these people feel these and we all should understand why. Mm. But like, yeah. um, like, you know, for example, English, like we read um, books from, from the 1800s and 1900s. Yeah. Um, and in those books, there are racial slurs like the N word. Um, and like when teachers, like in history as well, when teachers, when it comes to that word, like most teachers, from my experience, have just said, "Oh, anyone say it? Let's just get it over with." Rush, they rush through it. They just say, "Oh, just say it. It's just a word. We have to we have to use it. It's part of the curriculum, you know. Let's just get over. It. It's just it's just a word." And that's saying, "Oh, it's just a word. We should say it. Let's just get it over with." Is it's so ignorant to me, like, you, there's a whole history behind this word, but you're rushing students who are 13, 14, 15, with this word, like, if they see this word in a book and a teacher saying, let's rush over it, let's go, let's just hurry up and say it, they will not, they won't care about, like, the impact of this word, they won't really see how this word is important, mm -hmm. and they will just see it as a normal word. Yeah, Agreeing with Tega, like, including black history in certain subjects, so for history, um, students can become very confused as well as, like, with what is allowed to be said. If you're reading a book in English of mice and men and Edwards in there and teachers saying, oh, we can say it's English, it's on the curriculum, it's like, yeah. we need to be learning stuff that is not offensive but has to do with black history. Because yeah. then books have nothing to do with us, they're just using a slur. And it's yeah. interesting you bring up that point of kind of... So, again, I was, I was um, uh, before the podcast started, I said how I listened to this. It was at Oxford University, and it was around the argument of does education perpetuate uh, racism and, and yeah. how there were speakers talking about how, you know, we must decolonise the curriculum. Yeah. Because, yeah, for sure, I completely agree with you. The curriculum um, needs to have variation, especially in certain subjects, yeah. which... Uh, look at a, a, a variety, okay? Um, but also when you're looking at history and you're looking at specifically black history, mm -hmm. I often feel that it's good to tell history. It's, it's, a, it's a necessity. It helps us at least yeah. as human beings know what we yeah. shouldn't be doing in, in the future in some yeah. cases. Um, but, okay, so black history, you have, this, you have slavery, etc. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's as important to show the success, the joy, yeah. um, and, and the, the people and the figures who did amazing things. So, because you don't want to perpetuate this narrative of trauma. Yeah, it was very 
like traumatic listening to like what happened to them in the ships listening to them when they got onto the like plantations like so definitely be talking about our success and like how far we've come as a whole like the things we do to contribute to society and how we like build up our communities instead of always learning about the trauma what we went through like yeah. We come, we become very like numb to it. We learn a lot about you know slavery and the slave trade. Yeah. And when we were learning about the slave trade, we'd learn about oh how this country benefited from this and how the British Empire benefited from this. But it wasn't until like two years ago I even learned who Harriet Tubman was. Mm. Even though that should have been part of the history curriculum yeah. because yeah. she helped free slaves, it wasn't deemed important by whoever decides the subjects that oh we shouldn't learn who freed the slaves or who rebelled against um, mm-hmm. the slave masters. I think kind of adding on to all of this, I feel like I don't want to say anything too controversial, but when we learn about colonisation, it's kind of almost glorified. glorified. Yeah. It's like, it glorified. was so good, Britain benefited through, I don't know, the different trade links and it's kind of like it was good. And when you learn about World War One and World War Two, you never learn about the black people and the Caribbean people that actually contributed and helped out. You, I never learned about that. I yeah. had to learn that myself. And I feel like because it's so glorified, it kind of, it basically cuts out a whole part of history and you're missing this huge gap. And it's like, it's, I, it's like moulding people, it's moulding ideas into one and it's kind of, I feel like it's very negative if we kind of glorify yeah. one thing. Because comp- if you, I don't know what they learn in Germany about World War One, World War Two, but it's going to be vastly different f- from the way we learn it. It's like we won the war, yeah. you know, yeah, go Britain and everything. But for them, it could be different. I feel like being more sensitive in how we learn things. So I was just also going to say, uh, you know, it's also kind of who decides the curriculum because it's also on a governmental yeah. level as well, isn't it? Yeah. Of what should these students be studying? I think, of course, in certain subjects, they have a choice of certain texts. Yeah. But again, it's kind of, yeah, hold, holding certain people or, again, institutions to account yeah. and looking at how we can um, question as well as bring about change um, yeah, you were you were gonna say something. Like yeah, like um, going back to what Kamala said about Germany, um, I know it's required for students to visit um, the old concentration camps in Germany as part of their school curriculum okay, to yeah. teach their history. And they even up until now, Germany's paying Belgium and yeah. you know the countries that they well, traumatized um, as a result of their actions. Like I, even, I just learned this yesterday that they were even still paying, and they are. Well, I can't say they are sorry because obviously there's still people that have, you know... Anti-Semitism. Yeah, yeah. Um, views in Germany. But, like, um, symbols like the swastika mm-hmm. um, and any Nazi propaganda is very... It's not tolerated in Germany. And yeah. I think that's the approach that that the UK should take because... Yeah, yeah like, they're trying to atone. Yeah, to it. Like, yeah. we need to talk about how it affected this group of people. Why did we do that? We need to, like, take, we need to take accountability. And especially if you learn, if we take accountability, it's like, we did this, it's terrible. Um, and this is what we're doing to this fix it. This is what we're it. doing to fix yeah. it, yes. Because even up till 2015, the UK was still paying slave owners with taxpayers' money. Like, black people also pay tax. So you're really using our money as well to, yeah. you know pay for that so we've and that's interesting because we've said kind of as um on on a kind of you know a governmental level of Mm -hmm. you know 
answering for those those things done in the past at a kind of in a school let like schools what do you think schools can do i think um, they should definitely start listening to students because yeah it's very like i okay i'm gonna give an experience um say you're reading of mice and men and it's coming up to the world and you're telling your teacher please don't read it i feel really uncomfortable when someone who's not black says the word but disregarding the students concerns mm -hmm. so i feel like they should definitely listen to students more like if we don't want to like listen to that word being said then don't say it and they should start listening to students saying okay we want to learn about this why don't we talk about that like they should take students like opinions into account more because we're the ones learning you're teaching it to us but we need to tell you what we want to learn as well and um, i want to quickly ask something i don't know about you guys but in primary school i think in year five or six i learned what the word meant um I think maybe because I came from such a diverse primary school, I learned what it meant, and I was told from a young age it means this, and you're not supposed to say it. You know, this is this is what it stands for. And ever since then, learning that, I understand, and I feel yeah. like a lot of people, teachers say we can't say this word. Is like, what's the reasoning behind it? People should take time to explain why, because I don't know about you, but if you tell me something I don't know, how am I going to implement that into my yeah. life? I feel like that needs to be done. And I think that's, sorry, I think that's really good because when you're in primary school, you're really young and like, that's the best stage to be learning things yeah. because you can take all the information in. Mm, so the importance around context with language yeah. is, is a necessity. Yeah. Not just in like history or yeah. English, but in, in a yeah. wider context. And especially in our environment, we have that word in songs and yeah. a lot of people don't understand and they could be singing along to it and they don't mean it, maybe. Or they'll bring up arguments. Yeah. Oh, black people say it, why can't I say it? It's in yeah. a song, I'm not using it against you. I just feel like we need to, our education needs to be like expanded further. Yeah. Not just slavery, slavery, slavery all the time. I feel like schools should be implementing stuff from like what we actually do in our everyday life. It should be a dynamic. School. Yeah. Uh, because if it's just a fixed curriculum, there's never going to be room to change. We are we're evolving. New things happen in the world every single day. Yeah. And it's kind of shifting to that change and moulding it around our students and moulding it around institutions, really. And also because I feel like our generation as a whole, we're so, I don't know, with this TikTok culture and social media, we're so open. And I think it's about learning to be respectful and taking, listening to each other's stories and understanding and learning and adapting the way we approach situations such as these by being more considerate towards each other. Yeah, it's something I agree. that I teach my students as well. I had a lesson a couple of weeks ago and kind of learning the misconception between sympathy and empathy and mm -hmm. learning that empathy is something which is, um, it, it's continuous. Yeah. And everyone should be continually looking to expand that curiosity, expand that empathy mm -hmm. and learn how to respect boundaries and you know, learn learn how to essentially change because change for a lot of people um, isn't easy. Yeah. You know, whether it's change in location, change in idea, because a lot of it again is root, rooted yeah. deeply, um, and that's not a, an excuse to not change. It's rather something to con consistently uh, battle battle against, um, both personally yeah. and as an institution which is which tends to be made out of numerous people. Yeah. yeah, I feel like we need to support that change as a school yeah. and as individuals to support each other through change. And to make a better society for everyone. Mm. The change starts with us, but hopefully we'll go on to the year group after us and the year group after us. 
yeah so thank you guys for listening um we hope you stay in tune to our next podcast which will be soon i guess so bye from me um bye from me and bye from me and thank you for having me on your first podcast thank you thank you for joining us thank you